some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. What on earth is wrong with the Nashville Predators? That's the question we're going to discuss today on episode number four of the Smashcast. Mark Howard is back with me. We're going to get his thoughts on the current slide for the Nashville Predators who are 1-5-2 and two in their last eight games. Talking to you on a Thursday morning, Nashville gets Vancouver tonight. Uh, they're back on the road this weekend. It's an important week for them, important couple of days for the Predators as they look to get back in the win column. We're going to assess the issues, give some solutions, and pinpoint the problems with the Predators team badly underachieving in sixth place in the Central Division right now. Episode number four of the Smashcast is a go. In-depth coverage of the Nashville Predators in a 104.5 The Zone digital exclusive. This is the Smashcast with Will Bowling and Mark Howard. It's episode number four. This is the Smashcast talking about things. Nashville Predators alongside Mark Howard. My name is Will Bowling and uh, today, Mark, we're talking all things wrong with the Nashville Predators because since we last met, the conversation has gone from talking about how good this team can be and how good the offense is to uh, what happened uh, over the road trip uh, and over these past couple of games. One, five, and two in the last state. Um, is it just one issue? Where do we even begin this conversation of what's wrong right now? Well, I think it's a lot of things, Will. Uh, beginning in goal. I mean, Pecorine's goals against average. Uh, in this eight-game uh, slide, is almost seven. I mean, that's just wow. that's just staggering. Uh, and he hasn't played well. You uh, see, Soros hasn't played very well either. Although he was better uh, in the two-one loss to Winnipeg, so it starts there. They're not playing uh, very well in front of them. Uh, you know, the snapshot uh, moment was against the Blackhawks when Matt Irwin and uh, Dan Hamhuse are in the corner, and a Chicago Blackhawk is in front of the net pretty much to do whatever he wanted, and he scored a goal. And, you know, Matt Irwin was killing him. I mean, he's a great guy. We call him the Red Menace. But uh, they called up Steve Santini uh, from uh, Milwaukee as sort of a stopgap. I mean, Steve Santini is uh, is a fifth or a sixth defenseman, as I jokingly Call him the not so great Santini based on the old Robert Duvall movie. <laughs> but anyway, and Santini played okay. Uh, and you just ask your third pair defenseman just not to be a total liability. I mean, you're usually going up against their bottom two lines. And, uh, but it just, you know, Matt Irwin just made a lot of mistakes positionally and schematically. And the other, the other thing is, okay, you know, they get absolutely crushed. Of course, uh, you know, in their last game on the road trip, uh, and then they, well, I'm sorry, they, they come home and they just lay an egg against the Blackhawks last Saturday, and then they play Winnipeg, and I keep hearing, oh, well, they played better. Well, they, they, they played better, but that's not acceptable. I mean, this is supposed to be a Stanley Cup caliber team. Uh, yeah, they got 38 shots on net, 
against Connor Hellebach of Winnipeg, but they were mostly from the perimeter. I mean, the Preds have to get to the net. Uh, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not generating great scoring chances. They're not getting a lot of rebounds, or, or they're not in the right places for the rebounds. But you have got to get to the blue ice uh, if you expect success. And, and I'm just not seeing it. And we can talk about how the first line, you know, looked good. Yeah, they were okay. But Ryan Johansson, in my opinion, is not playing up uh, to his potential. Victor Arvidsson is not shooting enough. Uh, and that's problematic. Uh, and still, Mikhail Grantland has been moved up to the first line, waiting for him. He scored a goal in Vancouver. Uh, but that was more a happy accident. But still, we're not seeing the 70-point player uh, that he was at Minnesota. So, uh, you know, Nick Bonino has absolutely saved this team. I mean, he's been just yeah, phenomenal. Absolutely. And Roman Yossi is, is having a, a really good year. But beyond that, there are so many guys that are not playing up to their capabilities, and, you know, Craig Smith uh, has, has got to do more. Uh, and uh, on the top two lines, I mean, we, we, you know, Forsberg is really the only one who's been scoring goals. Uh, yeah, Duchesne had two in Detroit. But really, you know, for the most part, he's been quiet too. So these guys are a team that need a kick in the tail, uh, and I don't, I don't know where they're going to get it. Uh, you know, to not uh, – well, they're playing, you know, Vancouver – in the misery loves company uh, matchup yeah. because both mm-hmm. teams are one five and two in their last eight, so something has to give. Uh, but as far as what's wrong with the Predators, they're not playing smart. Uh, in my opinion, they're not getting to the net enough. Uh, they're not being defensively responsible enough in their own end, uh, and all of this uh, has combined uh, for, as we mentioned before, a one five and two run. Well, it seems like at this point, if you're David Poole, you're you're shrugging your shoulders and saying, oh, what else do we have to do in order to consistently put together performances? Because you look at this roster, and he said it himself, the core is there. There's no question that the talent and the pieces are there for this team to succeed right now. Uh, and, of course, the identity of this team over the course of an 82-game season is still yet to be decided, yet to be written. Um, but we, we mentioned in, I think it was our first show, that – there's never quite been maybe a Preds team exactly like this one. They're much more offensively focused. Like you said, those top two lines are as talented as there's ever been in Nashville. How much time do you reasonably expect for those new pieces and this new identity of this team to kind of gel a little bit? And how much time should Preds fans continue to give this team before you really hit the panic button and start to worry about this season? Well, I mean, the new piece, Matt Duchesne, was great coming out of the shoot. I mean, they were playing faster. Uh, they were productive. Duchesne was scoring two points a game, and this was, you know, seamless. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, it's not. And Dante Fabro, you know, it'd be easy to point the finger at him, but he is far from the worst offender, uh, you know, among uh, the blue liners. So, the problem is, Will, is that they can't do a whole lot with this roster. Uh, you know, they brought up Matthew Olivier. They sent Salamaki down, and, and that's fine. You know, Matthew Olivier's game, believe me, the uh, the hockey stick is there for ornamental purposes only. You know, the, he's there to fight. <laughs> sure. I mean, he's not going to do a whole lot else. The interesting thing is Milwaukee is off to a fantastic start. They're in first place. Uh, Daniel Carr is, uh, I think he has, uh, more, he's averaging more than a point a game. Uh, Yakov Trainoff is, has got, uh, is, is a second leading scorer. He's playing well. Ellie Tolvanen is not. Hmm. Rem Pitlick is playing better. 
They've got a cadre of uh, of young defensemen that, you know, they've got Davies down there. They've got Carrier. They've got Frederick Allard. I mean, they've got a lot of guys that they could bring up here. But the fact of the matter is the solution has got to be with who's in Nashville. Those guys, you know, David kept this team together for a specific reason. Uh, the healthy scratching of Turris was a little out of left field, but, you know, somebody had to sit. I mean, that, that's just what it came down to. Uh, but the truth of the matter is uh, they've got to look from within and, and just be better. Well, the, I, I'm glad you brought up the tourist uh, situation because that dilemma is is kind of odd to me because we're going from a couple weeks ago talking about how this is the Kyle Turris the Predators thought they were trading for. And, and the narrative around Turris was so positive and things looked as good as it's been with him uh, in a couple of seasons. And now all of a sudden – he can't get minutes. Uh, the, the third line, of course, is the only line that's really stuck together for the Predators, and you don't want to break up uh, Grimaldi, Benito, and Smith right now, the way they're playing. Um, but, but Kyle Turris, uh, to me, I guess, just doesn't fit in those bottom two lines, and um, it, it's so odd to me still that you can't find a place for him somewhere. Um, but I guess, really, at the same time, when you look at the other side of it, you look at what Peter Laviolette and, and David Poyle are thinking – it's not like you can really put them on the fourth line either. Well, in, in a different NHL, uh, Kyle Turris would have been traded for a prospect. Yeah. But it's not that simple now because he's making $6 million a year and he's got five years left on his deal. Uh, and, you know, that will be uh, a problem that David Poyle will probably solve in the offseason. You know, beyond that, you know, what do you do? I mean, you know, Grantland right now is, is you know, in a contract year. I mean, there's no way they're going to re-sign him, uh, you know, with the way that he's playing. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, but, you know, again, yeah, I mean, there it's a good problem to have when you've, you've got to healthy scratch a, a player like Kyle Turris. And I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. But something's got to happen uh, within this team. These guys do a lot of talking. But I, I still don't see the play getting better. And you know, you, most wizened heads will, will say that they're, they're in a little bit of a rut and they'll get out of it. You know, all teams go through it. But the more pessimistic people will say, is this kind of an extension from last year? Uh, you know, the power play hasn't been very good over the past six or seven games. They brought Dan Lambert in to, to make it better, but uh, they haven't quite gotten the desired results. But the other part of this is, too, is that, you know, you wonder if this malaise is an extension, uh, you know, from the last year or so where, you know, they haven't quite reached their potential. I know they won the division last year, and that can't be undersold, but they still didn't look right last year. Early, early this season, they did. So we got to figure out, uh, is, this, is this team more like the one that started the season or was this uh, the team that sort of slogged through last year and had that, you know, disappointing uh, first-round defeat to Dallas? And, you know, that's where David Poyle and, uh, uh, comes in and why he makes the big bucks. So here's the other interesting topic for me for this Predators team. Um, the amount of changes there have been in the lineup. Uh, there have been seven forward lines that have been together for at least 30 minutes this season. Uh, and really, other than that line of Grimaldi, uh, Bonino, and Smith – uh, there's really been no continuity uh, on any of these lines. Uh, at what point does the lineup tinkering become too much change? Um, but also, where do you find the balance between 
trying to change these these combinations and trying to find a, 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 something that works and also just kind of sticking it out and saying, you know what, these are our best combinations. This is what we need to stick with, you know, and, and kind of take your lumps a little bit. What, where is that balance or is there a balance there at all? Well, it's pretty much been the narrative for this team, uh, you know, since Peter Laviolette's been here. It, we noticed it more last year, you know, when, when Peter really, you know, shuffled and reshuffled his line lines, usually leaving the Jofa line, you know, intact, you know, Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson. But this year, when they got Duchesne, Lavi, you know, pretty much said that his top six would be more or less interchangeable. We've seen everything, you know, we really haven't seen Duchesne maybe on the same line as Johansson. You know, maybe that's the next. Uh, <laughs> that maybe that's the next attempt. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's been pointed out, and you know, s- some teams uh, are affected adversely by this, and even Laviolette admits he he sometimes is too quick on the trigger, but he will throw that, uh, th- you know, throw those players, those names into a Cuisinart, uh, and and mix them up and 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 give you something <laughs> different. Uh, but yeah, you know, and, and I think he's searching for a combination that's going to work. But to me, it's not just one line. It's not just even two lines. It's a malaise that this team is going through right now, uh, that they've got to get out of. And I'm telling you right now, you don't want to get buried early in the season. Uh, I know St. Louis did it last year, but uh, I'm, I'm just telling you the central division I call it the AP class uh, of the NHL. Honestly, it's kind of yeah. like the SEC West. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's deep and it's tough, and you don't want to fall behind because it's hard to come back. Well, St. Louis also turned the the team over to Mike Yao, and I don't see the Predators making a, a coaching change at this point this season to try to stimulate something. But um, you know, that was that was the card that St. Louis played, and I would still at this point be surprised if Nashville did the same thing. Yeah, it was different in St. Louis, uh, you know, with Mike Yo, and uh, but the the problem here is with making a change, there is no logical successor, and I know people are going to point to Mike Babcock. I don't see Mike Bab. Oh, I don't yeah. see David Poyle wanting to bring Mike Babcock in. I don't think you know he's the guy. Uh, but you know, Laviolette and Kevin McCarthy, if hypothetically, if they were to make a change. Uh, Laviolette and Kevin McCarthy would go together, and then you've got Dan Muse, who you know, who's you know got a couple of years of experience as an assistant in the NHL, and he was an assistant at the college level, so he doesn't have a whole lot of head coaching experience. And Dan Lambert's experience uh, extends, uh, you know, to junior hockey, uh, so I, I just don't see that happening. There's there's just not that logical guy that they could bring in, so. Uh, I, I, and plus, David Poyle doesn't fire coaches usually, and ownership loves Peter Laviolette. So uh, I pretty much think that's off the table. So I want to get your thoughts on one other kind of big-picture discussion going on with this Predators team. Uh, reported by The Athletic last week, uh, talking about Shea Weber uh, and his potential cap penalties that could be coming to the Predators uh, if he retires before the end of his gigantic contract uh, up in Montreal. I know the NHL is on record saying that um, there's a chance that these this this cap penalty rule and uh, the way teams owe money when they trade away a big contract and that player retires before that contract's over, it, the rule might look different in the next couple of seasons. Uh, but how worried do you think the Predators should be that they could owe up to uh, 15 to 20 million in cap penalties 
if Shea Weber retires uh, a few years before the end of his contract. I believe it's $23 million yeah. uh, if, if he retires uh, a year before wow. the contract is up. Listen, this has been the sort of Damocles uh, hanging over the Predators uh-huh. ever since they made this deal uh, with Shea. I mean, they knew it. And when they traded him to Montreal, they knew it. Uh, and, and they would deal with that possibility. There are a few ways around it because uh, theoretically the Predators could go out and acquire Shea uh, and, you know, he would sort of be on the injured list for the whole year. Okay. And he'd be only making a million, I think, at the end of his contract. Yeah. So, I, you know, I guess if Montreal or the team that has Shea, you know, really wants to, you know, to screw the Predators, they, they could do that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I mean, it's a reality that, that ownership knows about and David knows about. And they, they felt like that was the only – well, by league rules, too, that was the only way – uh, they could make this deal, and you know they got PK Subban out of it. They got a trip to the Stanley Cup final out of it. Uh, so you know it hasn't totally been a one-sided deal for Shea. But yeah, I mean it is definitely something that exists, and uh, and over the next six to eight years, uh, you know it's something that uh, you know they'll be uh, chewing their nails over. You know, hoping that Shea doesn't retire uh, uh, in a year that that really hurts them cap wise. It's crazy. Crazy to think about that. I don't think there's any other rule in professional sports kind of like that either. It's called, yeah, it's called so a recovery unique. clause. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's definitely something that was talked about when uh, when they traded uh, Shea for Subban. Well, Predators back uh, tonight as we record this on a Thursday against Vancouver. Uh, the Canucks here in Nashville, as you said, misery loves company between two teams that uh, something's got to give. Somebody has to win. Maybe. I think they're going to win tonight. Yeah. I, 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 hopefully they're just going to cut loose uh, and, and just, I mean, it can't go on forever. I know. Can it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I know Nashville fans listening to this will, will, will hope not, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, I'm going to knock on wood right now and say it can't get much worse than, than what it's been over this road trip exactly. uh, over the past couple of weeks. Mark, we appreciate the time as always. Always fun. Let's go around the NHL on a Thursday morning. Hope your week is going well. Hope you're back at Bridgestone Arena tonight as the Predators as we mentioned, take on the Vancouver Canucks tonight on the 21st of November. Big story around the league right now, though. Mark mentioned it earlier in the show. Uh, Toronto making a change as Mike Babcock has been relieved as the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and they are in a big old skid right now. Toronto 0-5-1 in their last six games, including a 4-2 to loss to the Las Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday, uh, back on Saturday, they fell 6-1 to one of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So things have not exactly been great in Toronto right now. And when you look uh, at their standings right now in the Atlantic Division, the Toronto Maple Leafs just one point ahead of the Nashville Predators, uh, which kind of puts the Predators skid in context that Toronto is firing its coach uh, and, and here Nashville sits. And uh, Peter LaViolette safely uh, secure uh, in his role as the coach here in Nashville. But Toronto's in fifth right now, 22 points. Uh, they're nine points back of Boston, who leads the Atlantic Division. Uh, it's still Washington leading the entire Eastern Conference with 36 points as they continue uh, to play some good hockey uh, despite a loss earlier this week. 
Maple Leafs president Brandon Shanahan said, you know, our, our game is not really meeting our expectations. He said they're mistake-prone on defense. The attention to details isn't there. The offense that their team has been known for uh, has, has also been missing for a couple of weeks now. So Babcock, who has 700 wins in his career uh, with 17 seasons at Anaheim, Detroit mainly, uh, and Toronto now, is, is without a job. It'd be interesting to see what the first team is who who calls on him and uh, tries to get him in the fold because that is a big name. Uh, and no, I don't think the Nashville Predators uh, will go there. But hey, you, you never know exactly who's going to knock on the door at what time. Uh, and maybe if the Predators find themselves continuing to skid throughout this season and still finish right where they are in the Western Conference uh, Central standings right now. Uh, in sixth place, then maybe we, you have that conversation. But regardless, like Mark said, I, I wouldn't see uh, something like that happening um, this season uh, unless things really, really just don't get any better. So in the Western Conference right now, it's still the holders, as we would say, uh, in Europe. The St. Louis Blues with 31 points leading the Central Division. Colorado, Winnipeg, Dallas uh, kind of all bunched up. And those teams have not lost this week. Uh, you look at Dallas, they're on a four-game winning streak with 26 points in fourth. The Winnipeg Jets come to Nashville and get a win after uh, a goal in the first minute of the game on Tuesday here in Bridgestone Arena. They've won three in a row, took it up to 27 points, six ahead of Nashville in sixth. Colorado, they've won a couple games despite being really banged up right now. I think they're maybe the most impressive team in this division right now when you think about what they've lost, and, and all the injuries that they've had. The Avs, with 28 points, are just three back of St. Louis, and so they've played one less game. Here's what Nashville has going at its advantage right now. The Predators have played the least amount of games in the entire Western Conference. So maybe if there's a silver lining, that's it for the Nashville Predators right now. They still have that plus-three goal differential, uh, which is seven better than Winnipeg, who sits up... Uh, Six points ahead of the Predators in third place. Uh, Winnipeg minus four, uh, but still find themselves in, in third right now uh, in the Central Division. The Edmonton Oilers still remaining, uh, remaining in front in the Pacific Division. It's been about, about time for them to be back. And um, You look at a team that has had as many high draft picks as they have, and uh, you're sitting there saying, okay, yeah, that's about right, especially when you have the best player in the league in Connor McDavid. Uh, Edmonton. 31 points right now, leading the Pacific Division. So uh, certainly a good start for them and an excellent start for Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. They have the top two point scorers in the NHL right now, and it's not necessarily close. Dreisaitl with 44 points, Connor McDavid with 43. Uh, they have been excellent all season long. I actually had a buddy text me the other day. Uh, my, my old sports trivia team up in Knoxville, uh, I, I was always the hockey question guy just because I, I grew up here in Nashville and I've always watched the Predators, so I guess that qualified me to answer the hockey question with a bunch of guys from East Tennessee. I missed the hockey question when he texted me because it was which team had uh, the top two point scores in the NHL right now. I thought it was Brad Marchand and David uh, Pasternak for the Boston Bruins. It was not. It is Dreisaitl and McDavid. John Carlson, third right now, uh, the defenseman. 36 points right now uh, 
in third place for points in the National Hockey League. So that's going to do it here for episode number four. In case you missed it, uh, episode number three, uh, I sat down with Predators rinkside reporter Lindsey Rally. It was kind of an evergreen conversation. Uh, we had just kind of gotten off the road trip and uh, discussed a little bit of uh, that turbulent trip for the Nashville Predators on the road over the CMA break. But uh, a lot of what we talked about uh, certainly didn't just have to do with that week. Uh, kind of discussed what it's like covering this team, the grind of a broadcaster through an 82-game season, which I think is a really interesting discussion for any journalist, any reporter that covers one team for that long. And we also got into what it was like to cover that Stanley Cup final. Really cool discussion. Uh, you can check it out on the Zone podcast feed, uh, also on the Smashcast. You can just search it uh, as episode three, um, and uh, you'll certainly want to check that out as well. Predators back in town tonight. It's a Thursday night matchup with the Vancouver Canucks. Maybe the, the losing streak ends tonight. Five games has been too long. Nashville will hope to get back in the win column tonight. We will recap it all for you next week on the Smash Games.